Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, and my co-host today is Daniel Robison, the assistant news director at WFIU. Today we're going to be talking about the upcoming elections with political analyst Brian Howey from Howey Politics, Indiana. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Or you can send your email or your comments to our website, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. Brian, welcome back. Well, it's great to be back on campus. Hey, yeah. In the class of 78. Hey, all right. It's good to have you back and it's a beautiful day. Well, it might, might cloud up and rain. But, you know, the uh, elections are coming up and I got to say, I don't know how Daniel feels about this. Uh, you know, down here in Monroe County anyway, it seems like it's been a pretty quiet primary season. Yeah, that's right. I mean, most of the races we're focusing on are uh, statewide races and uh, congressional races. Uh, I'd say one that's really interested me most of all is the uh, Senate uh, Republican primary race. Uh, How do you handicap that one? Well, right now, I think uh, Dan Coates is probably in the driver's seat there. Um, I've got to say this has been a real strange year uh, simply because, uh, you know, you have – uh, former Congressman John Hostetler, who uh, came out of retirement last November. Then you got Dan Coates who came in. There had been some talk about Evan Bayh retiring. And then lo and behold, on, on uh, February 15th, uh, he drops the bombshell. Uh, Brad Ellsworth ascends. Uh, of course, he hasn't got the nomination yet. That will happen on May 15th. And it has just been a real strange year. Uh, a lack of uh, media independent polling uh, kind of leaves a lot of us in, in the dark. We finally got some numbers uh, the last uh, 24 hours or so from Survey USA in the Senate race. So it's just been a real strange year, and I, I get the feeling that you know maybe there's going to be some jaws dropping at some point uh, on election night. I saw that poll on your website that showed Coates with a 10, 12 point lead on Hostetler. Uh, do you think that's accurate? Do you think that's what we're going to see? Uh, you know, in less than a week. Well. Um, I don't want to denigrate Survey USA's uh, uh, record um, because they've, they've got a fairly decent uh, track record. There's, you know, a lot of talk about the automated telephone polling and and the fact that uh, you know more and more people are are giving up their landlines and, and going to uh, cell phones that that normally aren't included in, in those types of surveys. Um, I, I think that it's probably generally accurate. I've seen some other numbers that would suggest that. Um, uh, Dan Coates' lead may be a little bit bigger than that. I can't go into great detail there. Uh, and uh, th- there's a fairly significant, you know, 15, 16 percent still undecided in that race. Um, if they haven't decided to vote for Dan Coates, they're probably going to be split up among uh, uh, John Hostetler and uh, State Senator Marlon Stutzman. But I would be real shocked if Dan Coates didn't pull that one off, unless the turnout is so anemic and we see uh, John Hostetler do the kind of magic he did in May of uh, 1994 when there was a pack and nobody was predicting John Hostetler was going to win the 8th Congressional District and he worked, you know, the, the evangelical communities, the megachurches, the homeschoolers, the, the gun groups. You can add in this year the Tea Party and the 912 movement. So, you know, but I, I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. So we'll see. I saw a TV ad from Marlon Stutzman last night. It was the first one I'd seen. So I guess he's, uh, uh, he's certainly a viable candidate. Well, yeah, he's, he's very credible, uh, except he didn't raise much money. And I think that's one of the reasons that Dan Coates got in the race. Uh, when uh, uh, I think it was uh, February 2nd, I learned about it. Um, the the four candidates that had been in the field, this includes Richard Bainey from the Tea Party and Don Bays Jr., a, a financial guy from Winchester, uh, they had raised I think less than a quarter of a million between them. And I think that that started sending off some alarm bells uh, with the senatorial committee in Washington. Dan Coates obviously was getting tired. Of, he wasn't ready to go retire in North Carolina. 
and 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 came in. And you have to think that when Coates got into that race, you know, a lot of people like myself are going, okay, the race that didn't happen in 1998 between Evan Bay and Dan Coates, now we're going to get it. Right, right. And then Evan Bay, you know, withdraws. And I got a lot of theories on, on on why that happened. I think he knew he was it was going to be a hostile environment for Democrats. I think he saw his wife Susan, who had made two million dollars as you know, on WellPoint and other medical related boards. WellPoint had just raised rates dramatically. And I really think Evan thought that uh, the family was going to get drug into uh, in, in, into this this uh, election cycle. So it's just been a real strange year uh, from that standpoint. Do you, so you don't think it was Senator Byes discussed with the politics of the Senate that pushed him out? Well, I think there is some of that. I, you know, I tend to give these guys, um, you know, when they say something, you know, I tend to think that there are kernels of truth in it. Although, I mean, you can go back in American history and there's been, uh, you know, they're, they're not beating each other on the, on the Senate floor with canes these days or, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's been rougher in other periods of our history. Um, I think that's part of it. But I think the family coming in, uh, Evan Bayh managed his father's last campaign in 1980 and, and they lost to Dan Quayle. And I think that that had a huge impact on him. Uh, he came back to Indiana to form his own political Future. He became a fiscal conservative, whereas Birch Bayh was, uh, you know, was fairly liberal. Um, Birch Bayh never won an election by more than five percent, and Evan Bayh has, uh, you know, had uh, blowouts throughout his career. I don't think anybody's come within twenty points of him, but he certainly doesn't have the legislative record that that Birch Bayh had. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's been that trade-off. You know, big election victories, but you play it safe. You know, in public policy, and uh, and he, I really believe, you know, he's got the twins. He's got Susan Bayh, uh, very much a family man. The legislation he did. Uh, tend to carve out when he was in the Senate, had to deal with family issues. And I think when it looked like uh, Susan Bayh was going to get drugged into this campaign, I think that was probably too much. So a little bit of all of that. A couple other things I want to mention about the Senate race. One is we just learned that uh, Rebecca Sink Burris was going to be the libertarian candidate, probably won't have much of a factor in the race. But she is from Bloomington, so I wanted to, to mention that. Um, and also the, the Brad Ellsworth uh, nomination, which is you know pending. Um, how do you think – he will do? Does he have the kind of name recognition throughout the state that he'll be able to uh, do well versus, say, a Dan Coates? Not yet. Yeah. Um, you know, some of us think that Ellsworth may have been tipped off a little bit about the buy decision. They came up, you know, if you go back and look in your email and see the press release he put out uh, that morning, it, it was very polished. Uh, and Evan Bayh has made some comments since then that uh, you know he felt like Ellsworth was probably the guy. You had Baron Hill over in Afghanistan. Baron Hill actually learned about Evan Bayh dropping out of the Senate race uh, thirty thousand feet above Afghanistan when a soldier came up to him and said, you know, with his black friend, said, "Hey, you might be interested in this." And you have somebody like Tim Romer, who's uh, over in India's ambassador, who you know, if this had been an open seat uh, and there would have been a you know, a, a Democratic primary. I think you would have seen Hill, Ellsworth, uh, maybe Tim, Ro- possibly Tim Romer. Uh, the Democrats have have a, a deep bench in that regard, and these guys all got shut out. It was like a, a power play mm-hmm. by Evan Bayh, and and so we have Brad Ellsworth. You know, very telegenic, um, has never had an opponent come within thirty thousand votes of him. I call him landslide Brad, <laughs> but he is not well known, you know, north of I seventy, and he's beginning to make the rounds. And we'll have to see. You know, he's been a great candidate in the past, but it's different running statewide than it is in a in a congressional it's district. It's worth noting he's the, he's the one who beat John Hosteller too, and he whopped him right. by twenty two percent. You know, and that's one of the the. Um, the the dents in uh, John Hosteller's armor, you know, the Republicans are saying, well, you know, guy, you ran against Brad Ellsworth and lost by 22 percent. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, I think Ellsworth has the potential to put together a pretty good uh, statewide race, but we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. You know, usually you plan these things, you know, for a year or so and it's yeah. like this thing got dumped in his lap, you know, almost overnight. What do you think of, is Ellsworth's strategy uh, for November? I jumped on his website uh, just this morning, and he's really touting. He's former sheriff of Vanderbilt County. His logo has a a, sh- a, a badge on it, and right. that's what he stressed in his 2006 campaign when he took Hostetler down. Do you think? What do you, what do you think is the strategy for November? Do you think he wants to come across as a tough cop, 
conservative – he is a very conservative Democrat. He is. Yeah, yeah I think so. I think uh, we're going to hear a lot about him being a blue dog, uh, his law enforcement background. He made some comments right after the health reforms passed that he was, he was going to run as a former sheriff. And uh, a lot of Republicans were chuckling about that because you know they're going to try to hang the uh, health reforms around his neck. Um, and, and then the other big thing is, you know, it's the economy, stupid. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, if you're a Democrat, you got to be liking the news. You're, you're, you're beginning to hear now, you know, the housing starts or uh, housing sales are, are better. Uh, uh, firms are, are saying they're going to be hiring more. Uh, we just saw the GDP go up 3.2 percent in the first quarter here. So there's some, there's some good news. I, I, I've learned a long time ago not to pay too much attention or put too much weight into polls in – March and April. If we'd believed uh, the April polls in April of 1992, it would have been President Perot, you know, and a lot can happen between now and then. I'm, I'm really going to start paying attention to the polls in like July or August and then certainly by Labor Day, we'll kind of have a better feel of what the dynamic is going to be. Okay. Our phone number is 855-0811, The website, wfiu.org slash noon edition if you want to send us an email. Brian Howey is our guest today from Howey Politics, Indiana. We're talking about uh, – we've been talking about the Senate race. I think we're going to move over to some of the congressional races uh, now. And if you want to talk about the Senate race, you can give us a call and, and say that. I, w- I want to talk about the 4th District, which is um, another – Another very interesting race, and of course, the fourth district is interesting just because of its wacky shape that goes all the way from Lafayette down to Bedford. And, Franken and district. Right. <laughs> it was made up of all the spare parts that Ed Mayhern can, you know, put in his maps. Yeah. Kind of went around the state, starting with the eighth. Mm-hmm. And they ended up with the fourth. What are we going to do with all these spare parts? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's really it's, – I've always said it's nuts that uh, you know, Bedford, Bedford's in the same district with Purdue but not Indiana University. It's kind of, kind that, of ridiculous. But, never thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so you know, what, what are you seeing in, the, in that race? There are 13 Republicans running and I think what? Four Democrats I think. Uh, Did the Herald Times try to do a sponsor debate? No, we, no, no. We, we we couldn't afford just the uh, you know coffee for all the candidates. I don't think. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I think that's Todd Rakitas to lose. And it, it, you know, you go back and you you know, Brant Hirschman is is certainly a, you know a bright up and coming uh, state senator, very influential in tax policy in the Senate. He served as Booyer's uh, uh, district director, and uh, and I think he's got a bright political uh, future. But uh, when Todd Rokita, the Secretary of State, got in, this is a, a guy who's run twice statewide. He's had a lot of TV commercials through the Secretary of State's office, much to the chagrin of the Senate. Uh, so he's got much higher name ID. And in these kind of elections, you know, name ID, familiarity, uh, being on the ballot before, and the fact that Rokita's worked with every county clerk in the district. Remember, they, we did almost a complete revamp of the election systems after 2002 when he came in. And certainly uh, a lot of people know Todd Rakita and I think that's his race to lose. I haven't seen any evidence or any polling mm-hmm. that would suggest that Hirschman's going to come from behind on that one. I, I saw – again, I saw a Todd Rakita television commercial that struck me in how conservative it was, how he was playing to the, the right wing of the party. I've, in his time as secretary of state, he seemed to be a fairly moderate – of course, I guess it's not a very political position um, – but his television commercials were, you know, his right to life, and that was very prominent in right. that. And he's really playing to that right end. Did that surprise you at all? Go, going against that Pelosi gang, yeah, right. or maybe that's Dan Burton. That's, that's Dan called. Burton. He's yeah. the Pelosi gang. gang. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, you go back to uh, you know uh, Richard Nixon's old axiom, you know, run to the right in the primary and run to the center in the, in the general. And certainly, in all the congressional districts, we're uh, seeing. Everybody playing to to the right. Back to the Senate race, just briefly. Sure. You know, Dan Coats, who was a pretty pretty conservative senator when he was in, but everybody's running to the right of him. They all felt like, and so I think that Coates gets quite a bit of the moderate vote. But in in the fourth congressional district, very conservative. You know, we're, we're looking at the the third, the fifth, the fourth. These are some of the most conservative uh, congressional districts in in the country, and uh, and so certainly in, in a primary which is tantamount to winning the seat and, you know, the, the Republican is going to win all, the, all three of those seats in, in the general, I believe. Uh, yeah, you run to the right and that's what we're seeing. So, yeah, Todd Rokita, you know, I'm power, right to life. And I, I thought his last uh, latest ad 
with his new with son his Ryan, new baby, yeah. uh-huh. born with thirty nine thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. You know, it's his part of the federal uh, budget deficit. Yeah. Good, good ad. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Hirsch, Hirschman is Booyer's guy? He's going to inherit a lot of uh, Booyer's uh, support. Uh, do you think that that could potentially he could potentially upset Rokita because of that? Again, um, when we're looking at a potentially anemic uh, turnout. And, the, and you know, the things I've been seeing through the Associated Press, the Times of Northwest Indiana had a story out of Porter uh, County where the absentees are below what they were in, in 2006, certainly way below 2008. Strange things can happen when you when your turnout, you know, starts falling, you know, below 20 percent, 18, if it's 15 percent. And this is after all the Tea Party hullabaloo going on here, which we thought, wow, everybody's going to turn out. Everybody's really upset. But all the pros are saying it's not going to be a big turnout election. And the, the smaller the turnout is, the quirkier things can happen. Mm-hmm. Is there any, are there any other Republicans that could make any dent in that race? I know Mike Young's a state senator. Uh, there are people that have a lot of positions, the uh, Greenwood mayor. Charlie yeah, Henderson. Charlie yeah. Henderson, yeah. Just haven't seen, you know, uh, very vibrant campaigns from yeah. from Charlie and and uh, Senator Young. Um, I would I would be shocked yeah. if if one of those two f- finished in in the in the top two. And David Sanders appears to be the Democrat who's going to emerge. Right. Yeah. Um, you know he's he's been there before and uh, hasn't run, run you know very you know very close to Congressman Booyer. Mm-hmm. You know go back to. You know, uh, Hirschman's Booyer's uh, state director. I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, you know Her- uh, Hirschman was with him when he announced he was going to retire. And uh, last week uh, he endorsed Hirschman, but they put it on Facebook. And I don't know if you guys got a press release on it. We didn't. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think we did. Actually, and I, I was thinking, you know, that uh, Booyer may come out, have a press conference, maybe have a series of press conference in all these various media markets in Franken District. But that didn't happen, and maybe because Mrs. Booyer is, is not in good good health right now, which is why you know Steve decided not to run. But I, I thought that that that, that was odd. I, I really thought that uh, uh, Hirschman would really burnish uh, his ties to Steve Booyer. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about turnout. You said that uh, you don't anticipate a, a great turnout. Uh, at least the absentee ballots would suggest that. With all the hullabaloo about the Tea Party, and maybe it's just the media giving them a lot of coverage, but. I guess I was thinking there would be a lot of people heading to the polls on Tuesday, especially Republicans. Yeah, er, early on, er, early in the cycle, I I figured that 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 might be the case because there is a lot of anger out there. Although there's a lot of Democrats that are glad, and some independents that are glad that health reform, for instance, passed. Uh, glad that President Obama's raised, raised cafe standards uh, and is trying to work on energy policy. We haven't had any, you know, for the previous. Uh, eight years, um, that kind of thing. Um, I, I asked Host Utler, you know, how big is the Tea Party movement? Um, and I also asked Susan Martin, who heads one of the – I call them the tribes, the Tea Party tribes. There's about 10 or 12 of them. If, if, you, if you Google Tea Party Indiana, you get a, about 10 or 12 websites. And so I call them tribes. They're not really connected – uh, they're very. It's like a loose confederation, and in different pockets, they have different things that they they get upset about. Um, they put the number at about twenty thousand. Both Hostetler and Susan Martin from Valparaiso said they, if you uh, combined all the tribes' email lists, there's about twenty thousand people. I asked Hostetler how many votes do you need to win the primary, and he thought it was in the hundred fifty thousand range, or if somebody got you know much above thirty five, thirty eight percent. Uh, they, they could potentially win it. And, and you go back to the 98 Republican primary with John Price, Peter Rustoven, and Paul Helmke. Helmke won that I think with 34 percent of the vote and it was almost evenly split. Uh, John Price was the darling of the evangelical movement. He got about 30 percent. Eric Miller ran against Governor Daniels in the 2004 gubernatorial primary. He got – it was somewhere between 25 and 30 percent so that there's that evangelical you know, kind of right-wing core – in the in the thirty percent range, and I think that's what Hostetler was really counting on. The problem with that is the anti coats vote is getting split up, you know, by three or four uh, of people that are running further to the right at Ann Coates. Mm-hmm. All right, our phone number again: eight five five zero eight one one. From outside of the Bloomington area, one eight seven seven two eight five. 
9348. Also, you can send us email on our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. The primary is uh, scheduled for Tuesday and uh, you know we hope that you all go and vote for your favorite candidate. We have Brian Howie in the studio with us today from Howie Politics, Indiana and we're talking about how some of the uh, state races might go. Uh, on my way uh, in, actually I heard it this morning and I heard it again at noon today, a report on WFIU from Indiana Public Broadcasting about the District five race. And I hadn't been paying much attention to it. That's Dan Burton's district. Um, but I guess I was I was kind of surprised as since I wasn't paying that close of attention that he had so many candidates who want to beat him in the primary. Right. He's got six six opponents, I believe. Six opponents. Two of them are, you know, the Tea Party variety. And then you've got four um, opponents, uh, former legislator Luke Messer, mm-hmm. uh, state rep uh, Mike Murphy, uh, Brose McVeigh, who ran, against, who ran a pretty good race against Julia Carson in the seventh back in 2002, uh, and Dr. John McGough, who came fairly close to Burton in 2008, came within seven, within seven percent. Now Burton thinks that that race was closer because a lot of Republicans uh, voted Democratic, so they could vote in the Clinton uh, Obama primary. But when you look at um, all the endorsements, um, the fact that Burton's only got two county chairs in his district that, that, that are actively uh, backing him. There's scores of sheriffs and legislators and county councilmen and commissioners who have endorsed you know, some of the other candidates. Uh, it's, real, it's a real erosion of support for, for Dan Burton. But in his favor, he's got you – know, the, the opposition is going to get spread out among you know, primarily four, four candidates. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that TV commercial. Right. <laughs> Which one? The egg commercial or the uh, the Ohio actor? The, I was talking about the Ohio one. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's where the, he the, his ad people hired out of state actors to portray people in his district. I'm voting for Dan. <laughs> Except I'm a Buckeye. Mm-hmm. Do you think that'll be on voters' minds when they head to polls? Maybe. Uh, I give Luke Messer. Maybe that that may have been one of the best you know sequences. Uh, he has a press conference outside the Indiana Repertory Theater. In I remember when that came out, I go, why would he have it outside the IRT? Well, now we know. He was talking about actors. And his wife was suspicious about you know, some of these people that were, said they were going to go out and vote for Danny Burton. And uh, she went to the, the agency website, found you know, uh, the bios of some, of some of these actors. Some of them were even wearing the same clothes, I guess. <laughs> <in> their <laughs> and so will that turn the election? I, I don't know. Uh, it, possibly it could. You know, when you see um, – like the Pew Research poll that came out uh, last week that showed 22 percent um, uh, of people have trust in in their their government in Washington, and you see Rasmussen reports and and uh, I think there was an ABC Washington Post poll a couple days ago that said that three out of uh, I think only three out of ten Republicans were were firmly going to vote for in, the incumbent in their district. I mean those are. Those are scary numbers for an incumbent. Uh, the Washington Post called it the the, the most anti-incumbent environment since 1994. And so that's why you're seeing Dan Burton. Uh, Mark Souter has already spent uh, 400000 highly uncharacteristic of him uh, in his district. They, they know there's blood in the water. And because we haven't had a lot of scientific polling in the state – uh, and the poll we did get, again, is a, one of those telephone-generated polls. I'm, we're not really sure what we're, we're looking at. And that's why you know, I always add the caveat, you know, uh, don't be surprised if something happens somewhere. I mean it's squirrely out there. Mm-hmm. Well, on the, uh, yeah, on, on the whole topic of Dan Burton, what is it that – besides just being an anti-incumbency year, what is it that these Republicans, the four more legitimate candidates I guess, uh, have against him? What, do they think he's too conservative? Are they trying to run to the left of him? No, I, no, they're not. Um, they're saying they're as conservative as Dan Burton but uh, they're not going to golf as much. Um, uh, Dan Burton was in line to become uh, the House Foreign Affairs uh, chairman and he was passed over for that and that raised a lot of eyebrows. Uh, there's just been a lot of you know controversies uh, that have kind of accrued uh, over the years uh, going back to the, the time when he, he was shooting watermelons uh, in, in his backyard to, to make a case on the Vince Foster suicide, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, the, and then the fact that John McGough came so close to him in the uh, 2008 primary, you know, when, when you're an incumbent 
and you win your primary only by 7 percent, um, that's that's a scary thing. And I think that that was the blood in the water. And so if it was just Luke Messer or Brose McVeigh that hit, you know, was going to challenge him, I think he'd be in real trouble. But the fact that there are six challengers, you know, four that have been able to raise any, any kind of money, I think just spreads out. I can't – I couldn't find a congressional – uh, incumbent who's lost a race with that many people in it. There, there were a couple um, here, even here in Indiana, that have lost primaries. Uh, you know, with just you know one one candidate, and there's been a couple nationally where there where there were three candidates in the race and the incumbent lost, but they're very very rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the person that wins that primary though is likely to to sort of waltz through the general election. Well. Event. I, th- I think whoever wins the uh, the fourth and the fifth certainly, um, you know, that's tantamount mm-hmm. to election. I think uh, we're going to see great fall congressional races in the eighth and the ninth, which always seems to happen, and up in the second congressional district. And if Mark Souter wins his race up in the third, uh, he's got a rematch with Dr. Tom Hayhurst. That's another interesting thing. We've got four medical doctors mm-hmm. are, uh, running in congressional primaries: Dr. Bouchon. In the eighth, uh, Dr. McGough in in the uh, fifth congressional district. Uh, there's another of uh, the Democrat nominee, uh, Nasser Hanna, is is a doctor, and um, and then Dr. Hayhurst, who's run against uh, Souter before. Mm-hmm. I thought that's kind of an interesting yeah. wrinkle too. Mm-hmm. All right, we've uh, hit our halftime break. We're gonna we're gonna talk to Brian Howie after the break about District Nine. We're gonna talk about the State House. We're gonna talk about whatever Daniel wants to talk about. We've got lots of topics, uh, but we're we're uh, talking with Brian Howie about politics. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone, information at smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 745. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Daniel Robison from WFIU, and our guest today, political analyst Brian Howey from Howey Politics, Indiana. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the local calling area. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can send us an email from the website. Um, Daniel, you wanted to follow up on something? We've been talking mostly about Republicans on the show, but uh, in the 4th and 5th districts, there's Democrats uh, running in the primaries uh, there. What do you make of uh, the guys running there and do you think – you've already said that they're likely to lose whoever emerges uh, in in November. These these districts are, again, are some of the most Republican in the country. Um, uh, Charlie Cook has uh, the Cook uh, – some kind of formula and and the the 4th and 5th I think are in the top 10 – Certainly, the fifth is, and I think the third is also. And there, you know, it's just it would have to be such a huge tidal wave going for the Democrats. And Mark Souter, uh, um, you know, he he had a, an opponent that we thought might knock him off when Obama, you know, took took the state, but he won going away. He won by fifteen percent um, against Michael Montagano uh, last year or two thousand eight. I mean, and, and that I thought that that was the time that a Democrat could could win that seat. See back. It, he won it in 1994 during the last tidal wave. And if there's going to be a tidal wave this year, it's going to be a Republican one. Although I'm not convinced that it's going to you know materialize. 
Well, just, just generally statewide, uh, if if you are a Democrat, is there any reason to go and vote on Tuesday? Is, is there any? I, of course, the answer is yes. There's reason to. But <laughs> sure. what what is motivating a Democrat to go to the polls? Well, I mean, a lot of the Republicans and uh, Mike Pence, who doesn't have a a, a real big opponent, um, they're vowing to repeal the health reforms. And so, if that isn't motivation enough. Uh, if you're a Democrat, you may be upset because it didn't include a public option or something like that. But um, if the Republicans take over the House and Senate, and there's a potential that that could happen, uh, they're going to try to roll back everything that's been done the last two years. And so, do you want to go back to you know? Uh, Just to clarify, I meant the primary. I mean, of course, I want to go. Oh, over, the primary. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, sh- um, well. I, you know, I think David Sanders is probably going to be the, the nominee in, in, in the fourth. I don't know. There's probably not a lot of reason. Uh, local races, obviously. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, you know, all <clears throat> politics is local, right? So that's what Tip that's what O'Neill tip said, used to say. <laughs> and I heard Lee Hamilton yeah. uh, put a spin on that in '94. I remember he was at French Lick and and said, you know, all politics is local, but all politics is presidential. Mm-hmm. And this election is going to be a referendum on uh, Barack Obama's presidency. Yeah, I think, and again, we are we are focused on the congressional races and the Senate, the Senate race and the representative races, and we might talk about the state house a little bit. But there, you know, Democrats will have races on ballots that are local races, and there are all the way down to the township trustee races, which of course are still on the ballot in Indiana and maybe for who knows. I'm not sure we're going to get rid of the the trustees, Uh, maybe the advisory boards. Uh, I've I've come out with a nuanced approach. I I was one of these people that said let's get rid of all the township trustees. But I think in the rural areas, they probably fit in. I'm not sure they do in in big urban areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I might get us some calls. (laughs) Brian Howey wants to do away with – no, not anymore though, right? Okay, let's talk – let's turn to the 9th District because uh, again, the Republicans – this is Barron Hill's district and uh, he has some challengers in the race but it's very unlikely that any of them will do anything. So we have uh, Mike Sodrell and uh, Todd Young from Bloomington and Travis Hankins who are the three people that seem to be raising at least a little bit of money. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of a lot of money raised. Uh, uh, Todd Young is you know closing in on half a million dollars for a primary, mm-hmm. and you know he's told me that he's going to spend every cent of it if he has to. And I, I really thought Todd might come out with a commercial, you know, looking right in the camera and saying, "Do you guys really want a fifth Hill Sodrell race?" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because that's one thing I hear when I travel around the Ninth District. People. When you say, oh, it's going to be another hill Sodrell race, you know, people kind of roll their eyes like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I, you know, I think that, again, that one's uh, Sodrell's uh, race to lose. But I don't know. People – we haven't seen any polling in that district. People get into the polling booth. I don't know. Are they going to say, do I want to see another hill Sodrell race or is it time for a new face? Yeah. Um, what kind of I, – I, actually, I mean, as you said, Todd <clears throat> Young's raised – Almost half a million dollars. It's more than twice as much as Sodrell has raised, I, I believe. Right? Yeah. Um, last I heard, Sodrell had what one hundred eighty-one thousand something, something, like that. something in that range. Yeah. You know, he, he's got ninety-five percent name ID. I mean, yeah. and, and I, you know, Young is going to try to cast him as um, as kind of the of an incumbent, and is really trying to take him to task over earmarks that he that he voted for. That's what they're really uh, uh, fighting about. Is that race close? I'm not sure. When when you get Mike Sodrell threatening a defamation suit against uh, 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 Todd, Todd Young for a commercial on the earmarks, I mean, I don't know. That that doesn't sound to me like a real confident campaign. So yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I would be mildly surprised if, if Sodrell lost that race. But you know, if, if there, there if there's an upset, that that may be the one. What do you, what do you think is Sodrell's strategy? Do you think he just dusted off his old signs and said, "I'm going to coast. I'm a name ID." It doesn't. He he seems to be making the argument that uh, you know he's been running uh, with the wind in his face the whole time. Uh, you know, he's been running, but this is the best. This is the best chance for him to have the wind at his back. Is there anything different about him this time, or is he just hoping that that's enough? Well, certainly in the primary, he's he's not had this kind of opposition who's raised this kind of money, and uh, you know Todd Young had, had gotten out there early, had had posted some pretty good, pretty robust numbers early on. He he got the endorsements of uh, Richard Murdoch and uh, Tim Barry, 
uh, Attorney General Zeller. I mean, all, all the statewide uh, Lieutenant Governor Skillman. I mean, that's a big. That's a big one. Everybody but the governor has weighed in on that one. And then Sodrol, you know, kind of last fall was oh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I got to finish my book. And then he finally comes in, and uh, so that's just a very different race uh, from anything he's ever had to face in the primary. Yeah, I think Todd Young also. I mean, the other the other thing that we haven't mentioned, but his close connections to the Quayle family, right? Because we had Dan Quayle in the district, mm-hmm. and you know he's uh, you know, in the law office with uh, the Tuckers and in, in uh, where Paoli is that right. that's where it is, and, yep. and he's related to Marilyn Quayle and. Right. So, by marriage. So, so they've got a lot of – he's got a lot of political clout behind him. Yeah, well, if you're, if you're Baron Hill, who, who do you want to win? Do you, do you want Sajal to win because you know you can beat him or – yeah, what's your take on that? If, you, if you're Baron Hill, you want them to spend all their money, <laughs> you know, and they are. Uh, Hankins raised around $180,000 too and, you know, as I've been traveling the district, I see his yard signs all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that may be you know that's a, a little uh, chink. Will will um, will Hankins and Young split up any of the anti-Sodrel vote if there is? It, does that help Mike Sodrel? I don't I don't know. That's this that's the analysis right. that we're going to read in the Herald Times yeah, on, right. uh, uh, next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You know? Let's hope. Yeah. Okay. Eight five five zero eight one 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 eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. The website WFIU. Dot org slash noon edition. Brian Howey is here. We're talking about the primary. We haven't had any calls yet. Maybe that reflects some of the uh, lack of interest in this year's uh, so. this year's primary race. I don't know. Isn't there a tea party out there? Uh, there a guy there, out there? there or yeah, woman? I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let's hope we, we get a few calls. Um, any other congressional race? We've hit most of the congressional races in Indiana. Um, well, the 8th. The 8th, yeah. District for uh, Ellsworth's seat that he's vacating. Uh, and then there's Actually, some... yeah, we... Well, you know, Trent Van Haften, the uh, uh, state rep from uh, Posey County, um, uh, Mount Vernon is, is, you know, pretty much, you know, he's going to get that that seat and uh, raised a fairly decent, I think he reported about 187,000. That's going to be, I think the eighth could be a very good good race. I think it's going to be very competitive. And certainly Barron Hill's uh, going to have a tough race, uh, whether it's Young or, or Sodrell, uh in, in the night. Yeah, we, we actually did sort of skirt the uh, 8th district but uh, let's Van, talk about the 8th yeah Van Hampton Larry Buckshawn <laughs> Bouchon Bouchon yeah I'm sorry uh, yeah I had some problems with that too <laughs> uh, uh, again a cardiologist um, a, a newcomer uh, has raised some some decent money got got a big uh, field you know John Lee Smith from from here is, is in formerly from here yes uh, is he is he down in Evansville he's now? in Evansville okay yeah, he's been in Evansville for quite some time okay but, but former county chairman mm-hmm. um you know, the the party people are just talking about Bouchon pretty much. Um, you've got uh, Christy Risk, who's an interesting uh, housewife activist who's gotten in and and who's uh, you know sparked some interest in in the Tea Party. Um, the Tea Party people came out and kind of questioned whether Bouchon should be their their candidate a couple weeks ago. Um, you know that would be really surprising if he if he didn't get the nomination, but we'll see. I mean, if if the Tea Party runs strong anywhere, I, I think uh, the profile of the eighth would fit it maybe the best in the state. That's what I've noticed. Uh, Dan Stockton's also running in that race, and him and, and Risk, I get their press releases. They just say some really far right wing stuff, and I don't know if that's going to appeal to who's going to come out and vote in the primary or not, but. Uh, I just imagine if they say that kind of stuff in the general election and get a lot of press on it, that it won't appeal to the, a moderate voter in, in the eighth district. Maybe that's just my opinion, but uh, do you think they have any chance of pulling off that upset, especially with the strong Tea Party uh, presence there? I, I'm skeptical, um, but and and the track record since Scott Brown's election, uh, you know, Scott Brown when he won Ted Kennedy's Senate seat in Massachusetts, that really like threw gas on the whole Tea Party fire. But then we've seen um, other states, Texas, uh, Illinois, have had primaries, and the Tea Party candidates didn't do very well. They topped out in the eighteen to twenty percent range. Not not huge um, numbers. Uh, some of them lost congressional races, and so I, I'm skeptical of the of the width and breadth of the of the Tea Party movement. I think they've made a lot of noise, uh, and here in Indiana, I mean, this is going to be one of the earlier states and if we see a, a Burton or a Souter 
or a Mike Sodrell lose, you know, that that'll register nationally here. Mm-hmm. I'm just skeptical, but we'll, yeah. we'll see. Another name in that eighth district race, Bud Burnett, who's a uh, been active in Monroe County politics on the very right wing of the party here. So he's uh, he's also in that race. For those who don't know. Um, I think you know a lot of what we've been talking about, and we've we've mentioned this once or twice before. But I think a lot of it just comes down to turnout, right. doesn't it? I mean, if some of these upsets could occur if the turnout is small enough, and some some candidate is able to get his or her base of supporters out, and the other ones aren't. And that's the interesting thing about um, John Hosteller. Um, he has been having town hall uh, meetings across the state outside the eighth district. They know him there, and uh, when he does these town halls, he uh, he tends to. Uh, find the, the pastors of the megachurches. Um, he was meeting with one 2,000-member uh, congregation in Johnson County up at uh, Shapiro's Deli in Indianapolis on Tuesday. And, uh, and that's the one kind of the wild card because he came out of nowhere in May of, of 1994. And that was the one thing, you know, again, we've talked about really low turnout and you get, you know, the evangelical segment stoked up um, yeah, maybe he can do it. However, you know, uh, Don Bates Jr. is also uh, he's his political operation is very much tied into the Pence Mike Pence's political network. So it isn't just John Hostetler that's going after that. Um, Marlon Stutzman also mm-hmm. uh, does very well in, in those types of groups. Yeah, it just strikes me funny the evangelical <clears throat> group meeting at Shapiro's, but that's just my <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> but, I, I, I thought about that too. Yeah, I want to. Daniel, I'm going to ask about the state house before we get too far away. Uh, do you see any big races there? I know, I, and again, in Monroe County, the only race we're really paying any attention to is uh, the two Republicans who are opposing, um, who want to oppose Peggy Welch. Mm-hmm. And I think Peggy's been she's been very entrenched here, and and I think maybe the challenges took her a little bit by surprise because it's. Former County Commissioner uh, Joyce Poling, who uh, worked with Peggy on a number of things, and also Steve Hogan. Now, Steve Hogan was a former Republican County Chairman here and has mm-hmm. been kind of out of politics for a while. But uh, they're two very well-known names in Monroe County that are running for that seat. Um, but I, I don't know how well they could do against Peggy. That's really the only race we've got around here. Well, it's interesting. Chris Sauter from who from Bloomington, writes, Bloomington a, guy, writes a column. I'm going to post it on my website uh, sometime over the weekend. But he was uh, recounting the top ten primary upsets of, of all time, and and the big one, you know, was uh, Ellington over. Um, uh, uh, Jerry Bales, Jerry Bales mm-hmm. uh, back right. in was that ninety eight? I believe. Jeez, I don't know. I remember what year it was. And of course, but, and yeah. that you know that was a reliable Republican seat when when Jerry. Ha- ha- Held on to it, and and now it's been with Peggy ever ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the Republicans uh, in the fall they they've recruited like twenty five between twenty five and thirty candidates, and they're going to uh, be uh, contesting seats, particularly down in the Evansville area, around Pendleton, up in the Marion area. That have, some of them have been competitive in the past; others have been reliably Democrat. The Van Haften seat, you know, he hasn't even had an opponent for the last couple of election cycles and the governor is raising lots of money, uh, at least 800000 <clears throat> I think, to fuel these House races. We've got uh, three or four Republican incumbents who have real intense um, primary battles going on right now. Jackie Clements from uh, the Frankfurt area. Um, I think she's probably going to lose to Heath Van Natter and that's a real odd one because when Jim Buck moved from the House to the Senate, they had a caucus and they chose Van Natter to fill the rest of Buck's term, and then they, and then the same caucus, ten or fifteen minutes later, nominated Clements for the fall. So Van Natter was in the House. He never attended a single House session. So he's running, and since then, Jackie Clements has had all sorts of ethical, and and I think a grand jury may be looking into mm-hmm. some of her activities in, in Clinton County. So I think that that may be a, 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 an incumbent who may lose. Uh, the House Republicans are running TV ads on behalf of Don Leahy up in District 15 against uh, Art Anderson uh, in a Republican primary. So you've got the House Campaign Committee that's running ads against another vote. So that tells me that they're very concerned about that one. And then uh, Bill Rupel from the North Manchester uh, area, he's got um, uh, the wife of a, a bank CEO, who, uh, Rebecca Kubaki, 
who's running a very intense campaign. I've got that one as a, as a toss-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is smattering of Woody Burton. Is, um, um, Brother of Dan. Right? Yeah. Uh, Woody Burton has uh, got a, a Ron West, uh, the council president in Johnson County, is, is pushing him. Mm-hmm. So we've got five or six um, House uh, incumbents. Uh, Republicans who are who are kind of fighting for their lives right now. Remind us of the uh, the split in the state house. Uh, it's it's fifty two forty eight Democratic. Democratic. So you know the Republicans they need to pick up th- three seats, mm-hmm. or if so. they pick up two and and uh, they uh, Charlie White uh, is the next Secretary of State, uh, then they've got the tie breaking vote. Mm-hmm. And um, the governor really wants a house that's Republican so he can. Ram through the rest of his reforms. He's been stunted. He's only had the House, you know, two years. And of course, Pat Bauer is saying, oh my God, what if they're all, you know, we got a total, you know, Republican legislator, you know, nobody's going to stop Mitch from doing anything. Well, the, uh, and the Senate, of course, is very, very solidly Democratic. Is it a Republican? A Republican, yeah, I'm sorry. Is it uh, 35? 50, yeah, there's no, like there's that, no way. He, right. You know, despite, you know, Vice Simpson's best efforts, uh, <laughs> and, and she's really tried, you know, very hard to, uh, uh, to recruit uh, uh, good Democratic candidates. But the way the districts are, are drawn, it's just, it's just, you know, uh, just like rolling a boulder up a hill for the, for the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of drawing districts, if Republicans do take uh, the House back, uh, what effect do you think that'll have on drawing uh, the new map? Well, actually, I'm I'm not sure. Um, the, you know, Todd Rokita and the governor are on on record as saying they want um, you know some kind of a nonpartisan way of redrawing the districts, making them. Uh, Community-centric, uh, have them uh, match up with county and township lines. Um, and the Republicans think uh, that will be to their advantage. Uh, they always, you know, you get Brian Bosma just about after every general election, and he'll say House candidates, you know, got 300,000 more votes uh, than the Democratic candidates did. But because the districts are gerrymandered, you know, the Democrats win the House in fifty-two. Uh, you know, 52 uh, members in their majority now. So they think that the, the redistricting reform will actually um, give the Republicans a better advantage. And I think um, – I, I'm not sure if, – if the Democrats have good ideas, uh, they can be competitive. I think the idea is to make as many competitive districts as, as possible and it, it comes down to ideas. What do you believe in? What can you sell to the to the public? And I'm not sure – um, the Democratic Party has has done a good job here in the state of uh, saying what they're really for and and going out and making the case to the people. We only have five minutes to go, so if you have a question for Brian, eight five five zero eight one one or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight from outside of the local area, the website wfiu.org slash noon edition. If you want to send an email, uh, I wanted to ask you brought up the governor. What's your take on whether the governor is going to run for president? You know, they denied it all these years and then I remember having uh, uh, a beer with uh, one of his top guys a couple months ago and said, now about that presidency thing, is there anything? And it was like I got a, well, you know, I don't think he's going to run for president because if you're going to run for president, you you pretty well have to start putting things in place. Now it's two, you know, two years away and – uh, to, to get the nomination in, in 2012, you've got to have a, a, a very vivid campaign going in, in 2011. I really think this is about um, the vice presidency. Mm-hmm. I think he's positioned he'll, – he'll be on just about every short list uh, for vice president. And I think that he's weighing in nationally um, and it's a lot easier to sell to Mrs. Daniels the idea that instead of a two-year campaign for president – uh, that you're only running for th- for three months, basically, mm-hmm. when when you get the nomination in August. So that's where I think this this thing is okay. going. Okay. Well, and looking two years ahead, who are the who are the big names that you would point to for potential gubernatorial candidates? Well, um, the the biggest one is is Evan Bayh, and I think a lot of Republicans probably were wishing that he was uh, you know seceding Miles Brand as uh, the NCAA uh, president. Um, and there, you know, he, he's being talked about. You know, the University of Maryland that that presidency is going to come open, and and I'm waiting to see whether Evan is going to do something different with his life. Uh, he's 54 years old, and 
or if he's going to come back and run for governor and and try to set the table again for a potential presidential bid. And you know, I hope that doesn't happen. And nothing against Evan Bayh, but you know, we've had a governor and a senator who was aiming everything at, at becoming president and didn't work out. And the state has so many challenges. We really need a, a governor who can come in and and do the things that are right for for the state as opposed to positioning you know somebody for for the presidency. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Democrats will say, well, that's what the current governor is doing right now. Mm-hmm. On the Republican side, I, I had always felt like Todd Rakita was getting ready for that, but now it appears that maybe Becky Skillman has the. Well, um, yeah, I, Becky Skillman. They're sending all sorts of signals that uh, that she's gearing up a campaign. I think the the big event there is what Mike Pence does. If if Mike Pence comes back and decides the the best way he can become president, and another president, potential president, is to come back and run for governor, he would be very you know formidable. Uh, if he doesn't, then I think you know probably Becky Skillman's in the driver's seat there because I'm not really sure I'm seeing unless again somebody emerges out of the business community, which is always possible. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you know without Pence, she would she would probably be the early favorite. What do you make of Pence's uh, rise to to fame here in the last year? He's uh, you know from Columbus area where we also broadcast. But what do you make of of the things he says on TV and, and uh, the press releases he puts out? Well, he's he's a great communicator, and uh, you know his his uh, slogan. You know, I'm a conservative, but in a good mood about it. You know, I think that people like that. He's a very personable guy. I consider him a friend. I don't agree with him politically a lot, but he's 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 very talented. I remember Robin Winston, the former Democratic chairman. He was he said, you know, the the guy that worries me most, you know, if he ever decided to run for governor, would be Mike Pence, mm-hmm. and uh, because he has great ties with the evangelical groups, the business uh, uh, conservatives and that kind of thing. I, I, he, he, and he communicates so well. He's a former radio guy just like mm-hmm. you, Bob. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, uh, he, he would be very tough to beat I think. Well, I think you know, we always <clears throat> talk about the liberal media but Mike Pence plays very well with the media because he's one of the champions of a national shield – a federal shield law. Yeah. And um, so uh, jur- he's been very good uh, for – Journalists. And yeah, he has. And so I don't think that the the media will, you know, you know, be against him. No. Uh, so. He won't have that hill to climb. You know, whether he decides, you know, he could be a vice presidential candidate too. Um, usually, they don't come out of the house. I think William Miller was the last one in 1964. Um, it's been a long time. Geraldine Ferraro. Um, so but he'd be very good on the national stage. All right, we're we're out of time. Went very fast. Brian, thanks very much for being here. Brian Howie's been here from Howie Politics, Indiana. For Daniel Robison, uh, producer Ariana Prothero and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.